Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Brennan, PGA professional, here on Believe in Tennessee Golf, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional, amateur events. We dive into junior golf as well. We talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon 21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So welcome back everybody to season two. Hope you had a good winter break. I know I did. Got to spend some time testing some new clubs, putting some new equipment in the bag, making some changes, and working on the game and getting educated on how to help people play better golf. Um, as I can see from the Twitter and Instagram feeds, a lot of y'all were doing the same thing. So thank y'all all for the content and input. Um, here it is, starting May. Uh, time has changed, weather's turning, it's beautiful outside. The Proem series actually started back in March, so you can find all the updates at GolfHouseTennessee.com. You can click on the TGA or Tennessee PGA links to see all your tournament schedules coming up. SNED's tour is going strong as well. We've got the Corn Ferry here in mid-Tennessee this week. We've got the Simons Bank being hosted at the Grove for the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, a lot of good things coming from that this week. We'll see more of that in next week's recap and coverage. Uh, we've got the Knoxville Open coming up, Knoxville Open coming up as well. Um, so again, a lot of good, positive, strong golf going on in Tennessee right now. So I've been saving up a lot of the um, feeds from Twitter and Instagram over the off season to kind of start the new year off strong, working with uh, y'all, the listeners, um, as we go through this. Um, saw one posted the other day. I'm going to get it posted up this week. Uh, but it was a recap of top places to play golf in the United States. And Tennessee was fortunate enough to, in the top 200, to have five locations on that list. I'll get that up there. Uh, and that'll be a question I post out to y'all is where are your favorite places to go play golf? And, and we'll talk about that as I get the, uh, the results from y'all. But I'll get that posted up on, on Instagram and Twitter. But I'm going to really jump into this one. Um, Mark came at me really quickly with long iron versus hybrid or driving iron or the utility. So we're going to start off with our fitting. Uh, a lot of new good products have come out for 2021. We've had the uh, Apex line and D DCB Pro and the regular. We've got uh, the Max uh, OS from the Sim Series and the Max Series. Uh, the 425 had made it onto the market. We've got Mizuno with the 921 JPX series, and again, a lot of really good irons out there. But again, coming in, um, wanting to know about long iron versus hybrid or utility. Well, I saw a study from Golf Digest or an article on Golf Digest on this several years ago, and, and I kind of used it in my fitting process as well. But it really talked about club head speed. Um, for club selection and, and not so much of the shaft flex or, or things like that but 
talking about more if you have slower clubhead speeds the hybrids are going to help get the ball elevated and help you hit the ball high enough um, so mark one of the things that we really talk about um, when I go through the fitting process is you know launch angle spin rate uh, and descent angle and those are things that we can control with the head the shaft or the golf ball that we're using and as we look at this, we're trying to get every shot coming into the green to fall roughly 45 degrees or higher. So you want a full iron falling at that kind of rate so that it will stop quick enough and not hit and roll off the back of the green. So again, we kind of look at club head speed. Uh, and I'm very fortunate that the software I use in my fitting system will kick out that recommendation automatically. So when I go through, uh, as I did this past week, uh, fitting with one of my students, uh, six iron was the longest iron it recommended uh, based on their club head speed. And we put them into a, a four and five hybrid. We hit the shots. We saw the, the club come out much higher, much softer, and, and give the extra carry. So, Mark, like I said, really what we look at there is what golf courses are you playing? I know I had a conversation with an, another gentleman through a fitting. Uh, he was more concerned with the dispersion. Um, he didn't mind hitting it a little bit higher and spinning it a little bit more even though he was giving up a little bit of distance, he had that controlled carry. So when he's playing those harder, tougher golf courses with firmer, faster greens, his ball's coming in higher than most, and so it sits down very easily. So this was a player that was willing to give up a little bit of distance uh, to get that control and that accuracy. So again, main things I'm going to look at is can you hit the club high enough to land in the green so if the iron struggles with that then we'll move into the the utility irons or the hybrid so mark i hope that helps with that staying on the fitting side a little bit this one comes in from danny danny wants to know the difference between ball speed and club head speed well, Danny, the biggest difference there is using a launch monitor, uh, whether it's TrackMan, Foresight, FlightScope, uh, those devices are going to read the ball speed. That's how fast the ball comes off the face. Um, club head speed is just how fast the club is traveling. Now, obviously, your driver is going to travel faster than a 7-iron because of length and weight and, and all those other dynamics that we get into it. Uh, the biggest focus there we talk about is what we call smash factor. Um, now, my stats, I'm, I'm reading from a report that is two weeks old, so I might be a little misquoted in this, so I'll go ahead and throw that disclaimer out there. But as we look at it, smash factor is an efficiency rating. And so when we talk about efficiency, uh, with a driver, 1.5 is deemed to be about perfect. And that just means if your club head speed was 100 miles an hour, your ball speed would be 150. Well, we see the guys on tour, their club head speeds are 150 or 115 to 125 in most cases, and their ball speeds are now kicking out something in the 180 um, range, 170s, 190s, and stuff like that. And again, when you do the math on those, you're going to find a lot of 147, 148s uh, back up to a 151. So Camilo Vajegas going into the Valero was the most efficient driver on tour, and his smash factor was a 1.51. Um, and again, just just meaning that for every 100 miles an hour club head speed he hits, he gets a 151 ball speed out of. Now, as you dive down this list, what you normally see is it's not always your longest hitters have the greatest smash factors. As their club's moving faster, it's harder to chime. Uh, the sh stat that I found the most shocking 
was number 217th on the list was Bryson DeChambeau with a 1.43. Now, Bryson is the longest hitter on tour, according to PGA uh, driving statistics uh, and, and ball speed. He's running up there. Him and Cameron Champ are kind of battling out those spots. But what it's really sh- saying is, is even though it's as fast as Bryson is swinging his club, he's not getting the efficient ball speed out of it. So he's given up seven, eight miles an hour uh, ball speed for every hundred comparative to these guys. That's making him have to work that much harder to outdrive them. Um, now, I know Bryson studied this. He's way smarter than me as the professor uh, and looked at this, but he's found out that he can be inefficient and still drive it far enough to make the game competitive. So, Dan, that's kind of where we, we talk about this um, with the ball speed versus club head speed. The ball speed is an efficiency rating. It shows us how solid you're hitting it and how far the ball's going to go. So you can swing the club faster as in Bryson's case, and not get everything out of it. Um, so the club head speed, even though it's a great potential, the ball speed tells us how far it's going to go. So ball speed are what most manufacturers are using in making recommendations off fittings going forward. So I hope you help with that understanding. I know it's always been a confusing one, especially when you can swing your driver 100 miles an hour, but yet your 7-iron, the swing speed is only 85. It's just the length and the weight of the club. So as the club gets shorter, it gets harder to generate that same speed. So shifting out of the fitting side here and going more into the putting side, i got a couple of putting ones that came up. Um, Jesse came up with one talking about Aim point and green reading books um, really came up after uh, the Masters back in November about how things uh, are not allowed, the books are not allowed there at Augusta, how come and what's the advantages and disadvantages. So Jesse, as we, as we look at it, that we've got two different theories of thought on this. Um, so you've got a lot of people who are going to the green reading books, the... The devices here that are going to tell us what point or what which way the putt is sloping and at what percentage um, or in degrees, depending on which book you're looking at. And that's going to help you dictate how much the putt's going to move. Um, the reason Augusta has gone away from this is they're trying to keep it more traditionalist and trying to make that rely on the caddies. Yeah, I think Augusta's always been its own little haven there for so long, you had to use uh, an Augusta caddy. Uh, you didn't bring your own caddies to Augusta. That was something that they did back in the 40s, 50s. Uh, I think it was somewhere in the 60s and 70s that they actually started to allow the tour pros to bring their own regular caddies out there. So Augusta's always done things a little differently, and as they can, um, uh, being the host of the Masters. Uh, but they were just feeling like the art of putting was being lost by the science. Uh, so too many people having the books, slows play down, trying to decipher. Um, and, and so you've got that side that just, you know, trust your eyes, see what's going on, and, and roll the putt. And, you know, again, the guys who've won there um, have had great success uh, at other places. You don't rarely just win the Masters and win nothing else. Um, so it takes a, a lot of good scoring, ball striking, as well as putting those treacherous screens. So now moving into the aim point side of it. So um, aim point is kind of a combination of the two. Uh, Science based on the slope and 
predictable factors, green speed, things like that, um, that are present every week on tour, and uses the science of measuring the slopes to give you a predictable. So Mark Sweeney uh, started this concept, and it was actually designed to read putts. The algorithm was first used by tele telecasters and broadcast to show you the line the putt would break on. And they realized that the, the way that they graphed the greens and did everything, it gave a very predictable number or predictable line. And so then they figured out how to actually teach putting using the application. In the original days that Aimpoint was first launched, you had calculation charts. You would use your feet to measure the percentage of slope. And then based on a five-foot putt, one degree of slope would move the ball X number of inches and in a 10 foot putt the same 1% slope would move it again I'm making numbers up as I go through this but uh, an inch and a half or two inches it progress out and so it originally started as a series of numbers and you had your charts from one up to about seven eight percent of slope as they went through this um, and then Aimpoint Express came about, um, and, and Mark talks about this on, you can go to YouTube and, and he see his channels all over and learn a lot about the information, but Aimpoint Express was really designed to teach kids this art so they didn't have to get lost in the numbers. Um, and the rumor I've heard, it's an old artillery trick, but when guys were in the wars and, and using mortars and shooting long range, they could figure out that if they needed to move uh, 1%, uh, they could use a finger, and in the sight line, that one finger width would get them really close to range. And so Mark applied some of that uh, and, and came out with a system where if you're reading putts inside 20 feet, or actually whatever length putt you want, but if you've determined that the biggest slope in that range would be 2%, then if you hold up two fingers to the side you think is the high side, Within 20 feet, that's going to be within two inches of accuracy. Um, so again, his formula shows that it works. Uh, you see Adam Scott uses it quite uh, a lot. I know uh, Stacy Lewis uh, has been number one on the OPJ numerous times. She's a big believer in the aim point as well. So the aim point side of it is using your feet, but using the mathematical numbers to help that. So this is something you see Adam Scott do at the Masters, even though the books have been outlawed. He can still use his feet um, to kind of judge that and figure that out. You've got a lot of other good companies out there. Stracline makes a book. Um, PuttView uh, makes a book. I've actually got a couple of theirs. Um, Golf Logics has the app or the book as well. Um, I played in an event last year where I actually... One of uh, the guys in my group had the um, Golf Logic book, and I love the heat maps and the stuff like that. Uh, the only reason I, I went with a couple of the Putt View books is because they have the percent of slope built into it, so I could kind of help me teach myself how to do the aim point and, and go through some of those calculations and things like that. Um, a Really cool function with the Golf Logics in non-tournament mode, you can actually use your camera, put the put the phone down on the green, and it'll actually help give you the line of the putt. So it does that variation of that. So Jesse, if you're wanting to get into the putting side in the books, uh, there's a lot of lot of good information. I think uh, Green Slopes is another one that pops up quite often. Um, most of these places have these books ranging from. 
40 to $60 per year golf course. I think the strike line started a hundred, but that's the ones that are used on tour, um, the most, but if you're looking at the green books, um, it's a good investment. If you're playing the same golf courses all the time, the aim point is a good, um, method that you can take it to the golf course. There's a way that you can actually calibrate the speed based on your reads. Um, a lot of the stuff, again, you can find on their websites, their channels. I think their information video, I think I saw was like $50, $55. So if you're really interested, you can also find an instructor on there who teaches the concept. So Jesse, like I said, if you're looking to jump into the Aimpoint side of it, there's a lot of good information out there. Uh, Aimpointgolf.com has it. Uh, you can find your instructor, but there's a lot of other green reading books if you're looking to dive into that. So staying on the putting side, um, Jeff was wanting to know about training aids uh, for putting, things that uh, I use, recommend for my students. And, and you know, kind of, it's kind of funny, Jeff. Um, I've got a lot of different ones. Um, I've got I've been a putting arc guy for a long time. Um, I used to putt with the pelt system of a straight back, straight through method. Um, had his PVC. Um, putting guide for a long time when I was growing up and, and uh, even after I turned professional and I always felt like I was a streaky putter with it just the straight back straight through method in in my stroke were a struggle it felt like a manipulation to me um, a friend of mine was repping uh, Garen Rife on the PJ Tour as a putter rep he also was doing the putting arc uh, which Stan Utley is a big promoter of and with the putting arc, I was able to go to one of the the PGA Tour events that he was working with credentials and hang out on the putting green and see how many guys were using this thing. So I got one, still have it in my car today. Um, but I'll this is one that I use quite often. So if I feel like my stroke gets off um, for tournament prep, I'll, I'll generally go out to the course I'm going to be playing our my tournament at a couple of days prior to the event just to get a speed for it. Um, and I'll do some speed test, but I'll set up my putting arc on like a five or eight foot putt. And I'll just use it to kind of calibrate my stroke to make that putt. And I'll sit there and make 10, 15 in a row with the, with the guide. It's really easy to do. You just kind of make sure you hit it hard enough. But I'll go work on some speed control, and then I'll come back and work on that. Um, so the putting arc is really good. Um, Eyeline makes some really good stuff. The learning curve, again, Utley's a big promoter of that. Uh, getting your eyes over at the mirrors are really good with the eyeline. Uh, I think I talked about that last year, putting during the pandemic, where I got my eyeline um, so I could see my eyes over the mirror, over the ball, and work on something like that. Um, the putting Cyclops is another one that I own. This is one that Michael Breed helped design. It's a toe-based guide, uh, and it works for straight back, straight through, arc. It's just completely adjustable. It also has a cool feature where you can cover the backstroke and the fall-through so you can see the putter and the ball, but as soon as the putter starts back, there's a shield that prevents you from watching the putter. So if you have that tendency to watch your putter on the way back and watch your putter on the way through, uh, the Cyclops is a really good one for that because it shields that. Um, so, yeah, Jeff, I mean, I've used as simple as just a putting ruler, or not even a putting ruler, just go to Lowe's, Home Depot, any big box store, that um, hardware, and um, pick up a 36-inch ruler, put the ball in the hole, and just practice rolling it down the ruler so you can put on the greens or at your house, doesn't matter what your carpet's like. 
The thing about putting um, is you just find two to three hours a week to go work on it. I know after I played the pro series this past Monday, um, really it was my, uh, I'll be honest, is my wedges didn't hit my, as tall as I should. Went to the little course to try and practice that afternoon, and the junior events were going on, so I couldn't get out on the course and hit some shots. So I spent about two hours on the putting green um, and just working on, speed control and making those shorters short putts and just being able to two putt consistently outside that 15 to the 50 foot range um again that's the, the quickest way to save shots is not give them away by three putting uh, but jeff just find some any of those training games i mentioned again there's thousands of other ones you can always get into um it's really finding your style and stroke i know i've talked about it for years that there's the pelt straight back straight through um butch Harmon did an inside down the line with a momentous golf for a little while and then utley and then a bunch of these guys have done the arc motion and any track is going to train you a good putting motion. So you just need to figure out which one comes more naturally to you and just get one of those training devices and just spend a couple hours a week rolling the ball on that track, getting that putter face squared to your guide and being able to start it down your line. The last one coming in, staying in the putting side, um, comes from Tommy. And, and Tommy's asking about... How to choose a putter and why so many people choose a blade over a mallet. Um, well, for a long time, Tommy, I'd actually say it was comfort and feel. Um, once you determined, this is my own thinking, but once you determined the length and the lie angle um, and the amount of offset you needed, you just basically found a putter that looked good to you and felt good to you and you rolled them. So didn't care if it was the most expensive or the least expensive. It was the head style you liked. Um, but now I've learned a lot more about it and I actually kind of find out there's alignment that comes into this. So players who tend to line up rightward need more of a straight face, straight back style putter that'll make them feel like they're aiming more left. Um, so using an answer style or a, a Newport style putter, if you have a tendency to line up right, transitioning to one of these putters with straight back, um, straight backs as well as square to the face will help you aim that putter more leftward and fix your aim. Same thing controls true in the other way. If you have a tendency to line up left, you're focused too much on the face of the putter um, or you're focused too much on the back of the putter. So by moving to more of a mallet style, looking at a two ball or a spider or any other variation or make a model of that, um, the 10 um, by Odyssey as well, that puts the focus on the face of the putter and not so much the back edge. And this will shift your alignment more rightward. Um, so actually using lasers on the putter face and going through the fitting system, I can kind of show you what's doing that. Um, and then there's even other companies you can pick your sight lines, whether they need to be on the top or the back, to help influence your alignment. Um, so again, my, my, I'll definitely say that my answer has changed on this one over the years. Um, the best thing you can do is get with uh, a putter fitter, whether it's uh, the PGA Pro at your club or the demo day, the, the local reps. Uh, I know here in Middle Tennessee, we're fortunate enough to have Seymour Golf uh, there in the Franklin area. So if 
you're looking for a putter and wanting to go through that process, you can call Cody and the guys over there at Seymour and John Higgins um, and get those guys to, to walk you through the fitting process and build the style of putter that you can line up and help roll better. Um, so again, Tommy, on that one, it's it's your port choice. Um, but there are certain putts that are going to help you line up better. If you practice with anything, you're going to get better at it. We could hand Brant Staniger a broom, and he's still going to output 90% of us. Uh, so um, a little bit to that, but again, it, there are putters out there that are going to line up better, and you're going to be able to stroke better, more stability, and whether it's a mallet or a blade, that's just going through the fitting process and figuring that out for you. Well, everybody, thanks so much for taking tuning in for the start of season two glad to be back at it again this is believe in tennessee golf here on the believe podcast network i am paul brandon pj professional uh, you can find me on instagram at pbrandon21 or on twitter at qic underscore golf pro you can find us on our trajectory directories of itunes spotify google play stitcher luminaire tune in uh, check out my feeds. Like I said, I'm starting to post a lot more questions, questionnaires. We'll have the one coming up about your favorite cities to play golf in. Again, Tennessee was able to get several on the list of the top 200. So I want to hear your comments on that. Um, and uh, again, everybody, see you all next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.